Welcome to another edition of Throwing Bagels. Kevin Mooney here with you alongside Chris Douglas. Hey, Chris. Kevin, what's going on? Hey, uh, not too much. How about yourself? Same old thing, living the dream. Uh, living the dream. Our our third co-host, Jason Hamo, is on assignment. We have sent him to Plattsburgh uh, to research <laughs> the uh, throwing of the tennis balls up there for a hockey game. So he'll come back to us with a report uh, at some point in the near future. Uh, but uh, joining us now on the Throwing Bagels podcast, he's a, a very busy guy, uh, to say the least, uh, sports director. Uh, and co-host of Bridge Street on News Channel 9 in Syracuse, also host of Orange Nation Weekly on News Channel 9 and daily on ESPN Radio Syracuse. It's uh, Stephen Fonte. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be on with you guys. Uh, how are you? It's been a while, Kevin. I, I, uh, we, we worked together many moons ago. How, how are things? Many moons. What has it been? Jeez, 15 years. Uh, since it's, been, wow. it's been a minute, as they say. Yeah. I <laughs> think uh, no, things have been great. That was actually my news channel nine was my last stop in the full-time media uh, career for me. And I went from there to uh, Cornell University. So I've been at Cornell ever since then. But uh, it was great working at Channel 9, there were so many hardworking people there, both in front of and behind the camera. And Steve, you're undoubtedly one of those, one of those people. So it was a great- Thank you, I appreciate saying that. No, it, absolutely. It was a great pleasure working with you and and with everyone else there. Um, and with all these jobs you have, Steve, do you get any sleep or any time? <laughs> not enough. I will tell you that. Uh, not enough sleep, but, uh, you know, I enjoy what I do and it's hard to, I know I got a lot on my plate, but it's every time I think about, well, maybe I should take something off my plate. I'm like, well, what would that be? You know, all the jobs are a little bit different and they present a little bit of a different challenge. And, um, and so I, I love what I do and, uh, you know, I, Yes, I'm busy, but it's a it's a good kind of busy. Mm-hmm. So you're so you wrap up your nightly sports cast. What what time do you what time are you in bed, and then what time do you have to get up for Bridge Street? Yeah, so uh, the way this works is that I do the eleven o'clock show three days a week. Uh-huh. So as part of my um, you know responsibilities as a sports director. You know, I would do the, the the four, five, six, eleven every day. Then when I took Bridge Street on, just to make it so that I wasn't, you know, literally killing myself. Uh, the folks here at News Channel Nine, they were, you know, kind enough to say, "All right, well, if you're going to do Bridge Street, and that's great, uh, you know, we want to make sure that you're not getting too burned out." So they give me two elevens off per week. It, it'll fluctuate. It's generally when it, you know when there's not as much going on. So you know, Fridays I'm always going to be here for Friday Night Fever and our high school coverage. Um, I'm usually here Mondays during football season because that's our Orange Nation show. So we'll work it in. You know, I'll take a couple shows off. But to answer your question you know i do have you know three really long days during the week where i get up for bridge street um i've got a three-year-old at home so i'm up you know seven ish in the morning um you know maybe when he leaves for daycare i may doze off for another half hour or so um but i'm to channel nine by 9 a.m uh get ready to go on the air by 10 the show's 10 to 11 take a little bit of a break go on radio from 12 to 2 and then uh, make my way here to, to Channel 9 and 
um, you know, do the six o'clock show, take a dinner break, get ready and do it again for 11. So three days a week, I'm going from 9 a.m. to midnight. You know, I'll get in bed. You know, I mean, you remember the job, Kevin. I mean, it's hard yeah. to like leave the station and immediately shut off the brain and go to sleep. So if I'm asleep by one, that's that's, you know, a normal night, I would say, you know, get home by 1230, kind of unwind, watch a little TV, try to get asleep by one, sleep one to seven. And then, like I said, maybe I'll catch like a half hour here or there, um, you know, to, to try and make up for weekends. I try to, you know, go to bed early and try to, you know, recuperate, recharge the batteries and get ready to do it all over again. Well, one of those things you, you work on is, of course, Orange Nation. So you talk a lot about uh, Syracuse Athletics. Uh, let's talk about one of those sports right now, SU football, and, and a note to to you listening to our podcast. Uh, we did record this with Steve before the uh, SU football season began. Uh, they're playing at Colgate, or no, they're hosting Colgate, excuse me, on uh, September 2nd, so we recorded it before then. So at this time, we don't know if Syracuse is going to start 1-0 or 0-1. Hopefully it's the former, who knows. Uh, if but, they are zero and one, Kevin, and lose the Colgate, pray for me ooh, on the radio. <laughs> yeah, that will be a bad, bad thing. Yeah, this this is a, an excellent point. Um, so let let's let's say one and zero. Let's say we'll start. They'll start one. Let's say that. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, let's say that. <laughs> um, so, but like last year, the team started six and zero, but then finished off. With a record of seven and six, injuries down the stretch were a big contributor to that. How will the team uh, look to rebound from from a disappointing finish to last year? Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, I think injuries had a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, some will look at that and say it's an excuse. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's an excuse, but it's still the reality, right? I mean, it's still a reason for what happened down the stretch. They started six and zero. They were playing great football. They got banged up. The you know the injuries. It, it seemed like every week. No joke. Early in the year, every week they were losing someone to a season-ending injury. So by the time they got in the middle of the season, uh, you know, they were down six, seven starters that were out for the rest of the season. And, you know, they didn't handle it well. And depth has been an issue. I mean, and that's not just been a Dino Babers thing. I mean, depth has been an issue here really going back to Coach P, which is the last time they were good on a regular basis, um, you know, year in and year out on a consistent basis was when Paul Pasqualoni was here. They let him go. And, you know, since then, it's been just about 20 years of mediocrity. And, you know, the fan base around here had to live through the Greg Robinson era. And, you know, the depth really left the program during that time. And Doug Marone tried to build it back up. And, you know, everybody looks at what Doug Marone did. And, and, you know, got an NFL job for what he did here. And he went to a couple of bowl games. We got to keep in mind, Doug Marone was a 500 coach here. I mean, that, I think that gives you an idea how difficult it can be to win here. And he had the benefit of playing in the Big East. You know, now they're in the ACC. And I think it's a it's a, a more difficult conference, certainly, than the Big East was in the, you know, the end of the Big East days. Um, you're navigating – transfer portal you're navigating nil and you know covid hit new york state in particular very hard and you know again you saw you you saw dino kind of build up four and eight four and eight he popped with that 10 win season and they really haven't been able to capitalize on that until last year they got back to a bowl game and i'm circling back to your point kevin about how they started six and oh they were ranked for the first time since 2001 mm -hmm. so i think it was you know i look at last year yes it was a disappointing finish but i also look at it as a step forward for this program because they did some things you know they hadn't started six and zero in a really long time going back to the 
you know, the, the Sugar Bowl year in 87. They hadn't been ranked since 01. They, you know, hadn't been to a bowl game since the 10-win season. So I think they took a step forward. Injuries were a big reason why the second half of the season fell apart. Um, now, SU fans will say, you know, something's got to change because it, it wasn't just last year. They've stumbled to close out the year several times under Dino Babers, and injuries have played a factor. You know, going into November, his November record is not good at all. So why is that? I think, you know, some of it is depth, certainly. Some of it is recruiting. You know, some of it is bad luck, let's be honest. Um, you know, and and when you play the, the Clemsons and Florida States of the world, they're physical team. They're really good for a reason. So you mm-hmm. are going to get banged up. And I'll be honest with you, as I look at this schedule this year, the thing that I'm most concerned about is the fact that they play Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State back to back to back so in the span of 15 days they are playing those three teams so it's three saturdays right but it's 15 days they're playing clemson north carolina florida state the three best teams in the conference the three teams that are ranked from the conference so i do worry that you know they may get off to a 4-0 start that purdue game is very big in the first month and i'm sure we'll circle back to that but they could be 4-0 and then they could go into that gauntlet of those three games and then and then what happens you know Okay, maybe you're four and three, but are how are you health wise? You know, mm-hmm. are, are your are your main players intact? How does what does your two deep look like compared to what it looked like at the beginning of the season? So, I think that is my biggest concern. Is you know, what did they learn from last year? The physical stuff you can't really do much about the injuries, but you can do something about the resiliency and and you know being able to bounce back and stop the bleeding. And last year they just could not stop the bleeding. When the things started to go south, they went south. Can they do a better job this year? Because you're probably, if we're all being honest, you're probably going to lose those three games in the middle of the year. They're going to be heavy underdogs in all of them. Can they bounce back from that stretch? And then the, their last five games are all toss-up games. They're all winnable. So can they bounce back from that stretch and go four and one down the stretch, three and two? You know, That's probably enough to get to a bowl game and, and maybe even a pretty good bowl game. You mentioned Dino Babers. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in the offseason about, you know, what's going to happen with him if the team doesn't do well. It, it, does he keep a job, keep his job if they don't make a bowl game this year? Oh, Chris, that, that is a great question. Uh, you know, we've been talking about that quite a bit on our, on our radio show. Um, so here's the thing. I know some people I'm going to I'm going to. I'll circle back to your question, but some people have have asked if six and six is good enough. Mm. Um, and in my opinion, it's an emphatic yes, because, you know, you look back and I know that, you know, when Marone left and Schaefer took over, technically they went to back-to-back bowl games. Uh, you know, they did. I mean, they did in, in, in Marone's last year, Schaefer's first year. But the same coach has not gone to back-to-back bowl games in Syracuse since Paul Pasqualoni in the late 90s. That's so crazy. if Dino does that, I mean, I think you have to take that into account. So even if it's 7-6 and six, and then they go 6-6, six and six, regardless of the, whether or not they win the bowl game, if they go to back-to-back bowl games, Chris, I'm saying yes. He, he, mm-hmm. he absolutely will be back, and frankly, I think he should be back. If they go 5-7, and seven, what, what what is the reason for that? Like if, if Garrett Schrader – you know, there's a, f- a few guys on this team that can't afford to lose. You can't afford to lose Garrett Schrader. Right. You can't afford to lose Lerone Gadsden. Um, you know, probably on defense, you, you can't afford to lose a guy like Marlo Wax. If those guys are healthy and you're going five and seven, I think that's different than, God forbid, Schrader goes down, you know, breaks his leg in the second game of the year and they're without their starting quarterback. I, you know, I think at least you could point to that and say, well, this is why that happened. But if there's not really a good reason why they went five and seven or didn't get to a bowl game, he may be in a little bit of trouble. Um, I think he's a good coach. I do. 
and I think he I think he should be back. I think he's on the verge of getting this thing going in the right direction. I think we saw a step forward last year. I think we will continue to see a step forward this year. You know, going back to Doug Marone, he had a 500 record at Syracuse. Dino right now, if you take out the COVID year where they almost didn't play football that year, they almost didn't have enough offensive linemen to field a team. They went one and 10. It was, it was a disaster of a year for, for a lot of reasons. You, I think we should take that out in my opinion. Like I think COVID should be, you know, all right, there was a COVID year. You can't hold that against him. He's four games below 500. Doug Marone was 500. He's four games below 500 outside of that year. And again, he's got some really good wins on his resume. You know, right, right off the bat, he you know he beat a Virginia Tech uh, ranked opponent his very first year. We know he beat Clemson. You know, he won those 10 games. And I think if you you know the the COVID year, they listen, it didn't go well. And I think that it was a couple year process building themselves back from COVID. Now I think you know again went from five wins to seven. I think we'll continue to see the build this year. So. Um, if they go five and seven, I, I think the noise is going to get a lot louder that he shouldn't be here. But my personal opinion is, listen, I think they're winning six or more. I think he will be back. And, and frankly, I think he should be back. I think, you know, he's got this program pointed in the right direction. Now, listen, I know that it's got to come with wins and consistency. He always says, you know, be um, consistently good, not occasionally great. This program needs to be consistently good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he's the guy to make that happen for them. And like you said, it hasn't it has been consistently good since Coach P. I mean, and right. that that's huge, really. Uh, you'd mentioned Garrett Trader and, and Rondé Gadsden. I mean, two players that are absolutely keys. Uh, like you had said, Trader's coming off his nagging like elbow injury. It's just kind of been lingering for a couple of years. Is he going to be able to bounce back this year? Is that is that behind him now? Boy, I hope so, Chris. And you know. When they announced in the spring that he was going to sit out, have the surgery, and that, you know, the doctors had promised them, you know, meaning the coaching staff, that if they listened to the doctors, he would be a better version of himself going into 2023. And I think we all chalked it up to, okay, it's a routine thing. He's getting it done. He's going to be just fine. Well, you know, last week, Dino made it a point. He was asked about Gary Schrader's health and the scrimmage. And the, the last scrimmage they had, and he said, you know, he he's he was not a full participant. Mm. He said, you know, he's continuing to be on a pitch count. Uh, he said that they're going to ramp him up. They want to make his arms sore and see how he recovers from that. The fact that that they're still in, and that may have been a part of the plan all along, but I guess the the fact that they're still talking about it and that he's not out there as a full participant and and a hundred percent, I think that is a little bit of a concern. Now, yeah. you know, they haven't publicly said it's a concern. They've said, you know, this was. You know, it's all part of the process and we're, we're building back up and we're getting that strength back in the arm and so on and so forth. That all sounds good. And I, and I hope that's all it is. But the fact that he's not a and again, remember, we're recording this prior to the Colgate game. He may go out against Colgate and throw for five touchdowns and put all of this to rest. But right now, um, I think there is at least a question mark in my mind, Chris, about, you know, how healthy is he? They need him to be healthy. You know, he is. This team is at its best when he is able to do what he does. He was limited last year, um, not just through the air, but you know, got nicked up a little bit in terms of his running game was taken away from him. He is at his best when he truly is a dual threat. And if he's not a dual threat, then they could be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, and hopefully he does have, stay healthy because he's got a monster of a tight end to throw to in a Ronde Gats. Yes, he, he is, I mean, he is spectacular. It's really basically as far as they go, the team will go. It seems. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's fair to say. I mean, they've got 
a veteran quarterback in Schrader, fifth year in college, and they've got an NFL wide receiver. You know, I know technically he's listed as a tight end. He's you know, a maybe he'll play tight yeah. end. Yeah, right. I mean, he's <laughs> he is a he is a bona fide. In fact, he's on the Blitnikoff Award watch list. So yep. he's he is a bona fide receiver, whatever that means. Line up at tight end, line up at you know at wide out. I mean, they're going to move him all over the field because they, they you know they want to create mismatches and find ways to give them the ball. But they've got a fifth year quarterback and an NFL wide receiver. And, you know, how many teams that they're going to go up against this year will be able to say that. Now, you know, we know the the talent at Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina might have the best quarterback in the country. So, you know, right. outside of those three though, if you look at the other nine games, is anybody going to have a better duo than that duo in terms of, you know, quarterback yeah. receiver combination? So, um, you know, they can't do it alone. And, and I, I do think, you know, sure. if we talk about question marks with this team, you know, wide receiver is one of my question marks. You know, they need someone to emerge, someone to take some of the pressure off of Rondé Gaston because you know that he's going to get a ton of attention. You know, he's going to get multiple guys watching him and they're going to need other guys to step up to loosen up that coverage a little bit. So do they have enough weapons in that wide receiver room and, and can somebody step up and emerge as a legit number two guy? I think that's a really important thing. So they can't do it alone, Chris. But, yeah, I mean, those two guys are, are absolutely the key to this offense. And as you said, maybe this the key to the success of this season. When this podcast airs, we'll be about a couple months away from the start of Syracuse University hoops. Um, Adrian Autry rolling into his first season as head coach of the men's basketball team after a legendary run by uh, Jim Beheim. Uh, how has his leadership been received so far by the program? And, and are there uh, is there unfair pressure on him because he's replacing a guy like Jim Beheim? You know, that's a great question, Kevin. I mean, listen, the reception has been great. Um, and I, I know that sometimes this phrase is overused but i i do believe he won the off season you know the way that the transition was made i feel like the guys that he's been able to bring in you know even they you know they lose joe gerard they lose jesse edwards but you know jj starling they bring in who was a local star at baldensville and went to notre dame and then mike bray got let go or stepped down uh and then jj now is back and you get judah mince back from the nba draft pool he tested the waters decided to come back you know they take a a, a chance westry from all Auburn, um, a guy that almost picked Syracuse the first time around, a, a top 40 recruit. You know, you get guys like Benny Williams and Chris Bell back in the fold, who a lot of people thought maybe they were going to transfer because of, uh, you know, things didn't maybe go the way that they wanted it to when when Coach Beheim was here. I, so I think all the way around, it, it does seem like it's been a very good offseason. You asked about pressure, and I, I would – contend that there's not a ton of pressure on him going into next season. I know he's replacing a legend, mm -hmm. but I think in some ways he gets a free pass because it's not like Jim Beheim left and this program was going to Sweet 16s year in and year out, right? The last couple of years have not gone the way anybody wanted. And there were a lot of people saying it was time for the baton to be passed. It was passed. And I think just the fact that, you know, Autry has said, you know, I'm not going to play a lot of zone. Man-to-man is going to be our primary defense. And you look at the way he's kind of overhauled this roster, and it's a really athletic roster now. He says he's going to play a lot of guys. Um, and, and right or wrong, I mean, that was that was a, a knock against Coach Beheim, right, is that his rotation was always short, and he, he refused to play anything other than zone. And so I think just the fact that there are some differences between Autry 
and mm-hmm. Coach Bayam, I think, is a good thing. I think you look at the schedule. It's a very difficult schedule. I mean, they're in the Maui Invitational. We, we obviously don't know if that if that tournament is going to be played or where it's going to be played. And, um, you know, awful what, what's going on out there in, in Maui. And, and we hope everybody out there, you know, is able to recover and rebuild. So I don't know if it's going to take place there. But my guess is the tournament will be played somewhere. And there's, you know, Gonzaga's in that tournament in Tennessee and you know, uh, Marquette, and it it's it's loaded with top 25 or expected top 25 teams. So they go out there. They got Tennessee right off the bat. Um, you know, they're going to play another top 20 opponent in the second game. Purdue is out there. It's a possibility they'll play Purdue. Um, so, I mean, you know, right off the bat, you're looking at um, a very difficult tournament. There's the ACC Big Ten Challenge or uh, ACC SEC Challenge. There's the the uh, game against Georgetown, you know, they, they've, they've built in some really challenging non-conference games in addition to what awaits in, in the ACC. So, you know, I don't think this is a situation where Coach Bayheim had them in Sweet 16s year in and year out of late, and then Autry comes in and expectations are sky high, and if he doesn't live up to the expectations, people are going to be disappointed. I think expectations have been tempered a little bit over the course of the last couple of years. And I, I do think, like, if things don't go well next year, I do think there'll be a faction of the fan base that is like, ah, well – you know, it's Coach Bayhaw's fault. These are still some of his players, and let's see what Autry does when he gets his own guys in. So, I, I don't my, – my personal opinion, I might be in the minority here, but I don't think there's a ton of pressure on him going into next season. I mean, of course he wants to win. They all want to win. But um, I think fans will uh, um, will will be reasonable and, and understanding, which fans aren't always reasonable and understanding. Fans are short for fanatics. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, from from men's hoops to to women's hoops, um, a great, just an absolute great hire by the, the SU to to bring back uh, Felicia Leggett Jack, to a former SU player, a Syracuse native, racked up twenty wins in her inaugural season as head coach of the SU women's team. What what are the expectations for this year? Well, I, you know, I think you and, and you're right. They, they knocked it out of the park. And I, I don't know if you've had a chance, uh, you know, Chris or Kevin, to hear her speak. Um, but she is a phenomenal speaker. Um, and you will leave there, you know, ready to run through a brick wall for it. I, I can only imagine what it's like to, to play for her. Um, they improved their win total. Uh, so they won nine more games than they did the year before. Right. They, they won 11 games and they went to 20. And I think she's just getting started, you know, and, and that was keep in mind. I mean, that was a brand new roster. They they mm-hmm. had 11 new players on that roster yeah. uh, for a team that had won 11 games and then turned around and won 20 the following year. You know, they get DeAsia Fairback, who, again, much like Judah Mintz, she was thinking about going pro, uh, probably could have gone pro, but decided, you know what, I'm going to stick it out one more year. This is what's best for my future. And as a result, it's great for Syracuse University. So. I think the longer that Felicia is here, and she's fully invested, right? I mean, local products, you know, went to Nottingham, went to SU, was a star at SU. Um, she's always wanted to coach here. This is her destination job, and now she's got it. Um, and I, I think, you know, brighter days are ahead for this this program. And obviously, Quentin Hillsman took them to great heights and got them to a national championship game. But, you know, Felicia, I think, is going to have sustained success here. And, you know, DeAsia Fair really helped lay the foundation last year with how good she was, what a great scorer she is. She'll be back. So, you know, you asked me what the expectations are. I don't see why they can't win 20-plus games again. And I think the the hope, I don't know if it's the expectation, but certainly the hope would be to get back to the NCAA tournament. Maybe they're still a year away from that. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think brighter days are ahead for this program. 
Let's switch gears here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you here, Steve. Uh, so if, for those of you that do not know, uh, Stephen Fonte led Bishop Ludden to a state basketball championship back in 1994. Do you have a favorite memory from that season? Do I have a favorite memory from that season? Uh, you're asking me to go back here. I mean, it's been, <laughs> I cannot right. believe it's been almost 30 years. Um, I mean, the, the, the easy one is winning the state title. But for me, it was a little bit different. And I, I know a lot of, you know, my, my family jokes with me because they, they know the story. And every time I tell the story, they kind of like roll their eyes. Um, but I had mono. I, I was diagnosed with mono at oh, the man. state final four. Wow. So we, we, t- we took the bus ride out to Glens Falls and the night. So we played fr- uh, Friday, Saturday. So we went out there Thursday night. And on the bus ride out there, I was like, I, I do not feel well. Like I, I had a really bad sore throat and I just I felt like I had like the flu. So we get there and it was like an awful night. And I kept up my poor roommate, uh, Jamie Byrne, who was a member of the team, one of my best friends. And I kept him up all night. I was coughing. I just I couldn't sleep. And sure, I was nervous about the game, but I, I knew I was sick. And I was like, this is awful. So I told my dad and my parents were there and they took me to Glens Falls Hospital. Uh, and they ran some tests and they diagnosed me with, um, with mono. And the doctor was like, I can't let him play. Um, because with mono, there's the danger of having an enlarged spleen. And if you took a shot there, like if you took a, an offensive charge or something Mm -hmm. and it hit you the right way, like you could really, it, it could be serious. And I mean, I was devastated. Like, you know, anybody who knows me, like I grew up, basketball was was my sport and I worked so hard at it. And I, you know, my goal was to win a state title and we were right there. And he said, you know, you can't play. So I begged my dad to to like call my childhood doctor back in Syracuse (laughs) and say, like, can you explain the situation? Like, I have to play. So he did. And, you know, my dad made sure that, you know, my doctor signed off on it that he wasn't concerned that I was that, you know, that I was going to die or anything. You know, he, he, he talked to it, talked him through it. And mm-hmm. and they and my childhood doctor agreed to, to let me play and say, you know, listen, it, you know, be mindful of it. But, you know, it just, you know, go out there, do your thing and, and everything's going to be fine. And so I played um, I played with mono. And fortunately, the semifinal game, we we won big. We I mean, we were I think we won by like 25 plus points. We were up big the whole game. So I didn't have to play all that much. Championship game was, was tougher. Um, and I, I just remember like when the horn went off and the, it was really, it was relief. It was like, I, I, I made it. The game is over. I survived. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, and, and it had been this goal that, you know, that I, I had been striving for, you know, my all, all you know, all, all four years in, in high school. And it was, it was a sense of relief, certainly joy, um, and I'll never forget, like our our coach Pat Donnelly in the locker room said afterwards, he's like, "Doesn't matter where where you guys go, what you do, if you move, you know, across the country, like you, th- this core group of twelve players, whatever it was, you will be connected for the rest of your lives. You you will always be the first team at Bishop Ludden to win a state championship." And uh, you know that kind of resonated with me. And we you know we've had it seems like every year that ends in a five or a zero, the anniversary, you know, we get together, we're honored at the Christmas tournament. We go to twin trees and we talk about it. And, you know, we were just there, uh, you know, a year or two ago at twin trees. And it's like, you know, you pick up right where you left off and it, it doesn't seem like 30 years have gone by. Um, you know, so that, that's, 
So that's a, certainly a big memory is winning it. And while I was talking, the only other memory that I will mention to you, you can tell I like talking about my the state championship season because it was a it was a highlight, no doubt about it. Sure. Um, the state quarterfinal game was a memory for me. We were at Lemoyne College. We were playing Trumansburg. We had lost in the state quarterfinals the year before, and that was supposed to be our year. We were my junior year was supposed to be our really good team. And that was the the blizzard of 93. Our game got moved because of the blizzard of 93. It got delayed a couple days. Um, our second best player uh, broke his wrist uh, uh, during practice between when the game was supposed oh, to be no. played and when the game was actually played. And we ended up losing. Uh, a kid by the name, well, he's not a kid anymore, he's my age, but Corey Green at Whitney Point, they beat us by like five points. They went to the state final four my junior year. I didn't. We didn't. Um, I was devastated. I thought it was like that was my chance. We, we we missed it. Anyway, fast forward to the next year. We're in the state quarterfinal game again, the, the game that we lost the year before. We're playing Trumansburg at LeMoyne College. We're up the whole game, but it's a close game. And it comes down to free throws at the end. And, and I was our best free throw shooter. So it's, you know, get Steve the ball, get fouled. So I go to the line. We're, we're up by three with under a minute to go. And I miss a one and one. And Trumansburg gets the rebound. They go down the other end. They hit a three. They tie the game. They send the game into overtime. Um, I was absolutely devastated. Like I, I was like, you know, thought it cost our team a chance to go to the final four. So anyway, in overtime, same type of situation. We're up by a bucket, and it was out of bounds play. We're in a timeout. Coach Donnelly draws up the play, says, "Get the ball to Steve. Let him get fouled. Go back to the free throw line." I can't tell you how much that meant to me. The fact that you know I missed yeah. my opportunity to steal it. And, you know, coach showed the the faith in me, the confidence in me. Get him the ball. He's going to make it this time. And he was right. He got me the ball. I got fouled. I made him this time. We, you know, we seal the game and we go off to the final four. And, you know, you talk about like sports teach people life lessons. Like I will never forget that life lesson for as long as I, you know, as long as I live, you know, and I hope that I can pass that on to someone else someday. The, the confidence he instilled in me because it did mean a lot. And, it really did teach me a lot about myself and resiliency and, you know, so, some of those types of things, uh, you know, and, and, and character in, in the face of adversity. So um, anyway, I appreciate you bringing up the state title, title run because it was uh, certainly a highlight, the highlight for me uh, as an athlete. <laughs> well, Jordan had the flu game. You had the mono final four. That's right. Yeah, I had the mono. That's, game. That, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> uh, so you obviously are in the broadcast industry. Uh, what made you decide to go into this industry or get into this industry? And uh, why did you decide to go to Ithaca College versus SU or Oswego State? So that's a great question. And honestly, those were the three that I was deciding between. Um, <laughs> so I to get into why I wanted to go into broadcasting. Growing up, I loved two things. I loved sports and I loved to write. And I uh, you know, I, I, I would write poems. I would write short stories. I, I just I really enjoyed writing and I love sports and I wanted to combine my two loves. And so when it was time to pick, you know, a, a path to go down a career path or something I wanted to study, I didn't know if I wanted to go into radio or TV or print. I, I wasn't really sure, but I knew I wanted to do something with sports and being able to write or and or talk about them. Um, and I, you know, I'm old enough that I was. You know, I was kind of growing up when when ESPN was born and SportsCenter yeah. was born, and I, I loved it. You know, Chris Berman is the the first sportscaster I remember watching, saying, <laughs> "That's so cool!" He comes up with all these nicknames, and like, I want to be like that. So when it came time to pick a college, I knew I wanted to play basketball, 
And that's where Oswego comes in. Oswego recruited me, um, and they really wanted me to go there. And I, I knew that it had a great program. And, you know, obviously, you know, Steve Levy and Linda Cohn. And, you know, I, 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 I was serious about Oswego. I went up there for my official visit. And, you know, forgive me because this is 25, 30 years ago now. But is the, is the, athletic, is the athletic facility at, like, the top of a hill? Like the, yes. is the, the Max, yeah. Max Seal Gymnasium. Yeah. Okay. So he was giving me a tour and it was the dead of winter. <laughs> and I kid you not, like, I feel like, as I remember the story that it was like 15 below that day, it probably wasn't, but it felt like it. Sure. Yeah. And I just remember yeah, we opened right. the door to leave the athletic facility and this gust of wind hit me. <laughs> and it was like, I swear to you guys, it was like, it felt like it was 20 degrees below zero. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I told right. my dad when we got in the car, I was like, I can't go here. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I grew up in Syracuse. Like, I grew up in central New York. So that was like, you know, the stupid 17-year-old in me talking. Like, that was a dumb reason. But I was like, <laughs> I can't go here. Like, it was too cold, you know? Um, so it came down between Ithaca and Syracuse. And I didn't know if I could walk on at Syracuse. I thought about it. Like, you know, it's a new house school. And, you know, they were going to give me a half academic scholarship. And, you know... I thought about it, but ultimately I decided to go to Ithaca. I went to a small high school. I went to Bishop Ludden. Um, you know, Ithaca is a smaller school. Um, it was it was ability to get away, right? Because I was from Syracuse. Now, you know, I know Ithaca is not too far, but it's you know, it's a way enough that you're oh, away yeah. at school, yep. right? And I wanted to play, like I wanted to play basketball, and so I chose to go to Ithaca. Um, you know, the basketball career down there didn't work out the way that I had hoped. Um, but I, you know, I got to a point my junior year where I was like, do I want to keep doing this? I, I probably wasn't going to get much playing time or do I want to start, you know, diving into my, what I want to do someday. So I actually, I played two years down there. I ended up not playing my junior year. Um, and I got more involved with broadcasting. I started calling the basketball games. I was calling football games. Um, and that's really where I started to work on my craft and to, to get better at, you know, I mean, all of us starting out, we're not very good in this business. So that was, you know, mm -hmm. you get better by doing it, getting in front of a microphone, getting reps. And I was able to do that. And, um, you know, Ithaca was great for me. I met Matt Mulcahy there who, uh, he's an Ithaca grad and longtime news anchor here at, at channel three. And I met him at a career day. He said, how about an internship? I was like, I would love that. And he helped me get an internship at Channel 3. And that was kind of my first taste of the TV business. And I mm -hmm. fell in love with it. And I was like, I want to do this. Um, and so I interned at Channel 3 for a few years. And then when I graduated, um, ended up landing a job at the ABC in Binghamton. And uh, that was that was the start of it. Well, here at Channel 9 in Syracuse, you have uh, this very popular segment, Friday Night Fever, which basically features high school sports, uh, they review basketball, football, and all the other high school sports. Uh, what do you say? We throw in a little soccer, a little extra soccer highlights uh, every now and then. Uh, there's there's a lot of talented <laughs> soccer players out there in the area. There certainly are. And I was talking to you guys off air that uh, my daughter, Emma, who is now at Syracuse University, played soccer growing up her whole life. My son, Luke, uh, is a senior at West Hill, and he's been a soccer player since he was like four. I, I, I certainly take in my fair share of soccer. Um, this isn't going to be a great answer for you, Chris, but part of the reason is it's just it's resources, you know, and, yeah, and we do show soccer um, during playoff time yes, generally course, or if yes. there's a big game. Yeah. But 
it's hard because like you could go to, you know, not to give away too many of our secrets when it comes to Friday night fever, but <laughs> you know, you put, you know, everything strategic in terms of geography. We'll try to yeah. put like three games yep. together that, you know, you can hit these three games. You stay for 20 minutes, you get a couple of touchdowns, you move on to the next yep. one. As you know, Chris, the game of soccer sometimes, um, got to wait around a little not, bit. Not all that high score. So you might be in a game for an hour and a half and get no goals or one goal. And so so that is that is part of it. Um, And I know it's not a great answer, but that is part of why it's, you know, mainly football and basketball. You can get in, get out pretty quickly at games. You don't have to stay the whole game. You stay for a quarter or you stay for 15 or 20 minutes of real time. You get a couple of highlights and you move on to the next one. And then you try to tell the story of the game. So and it's hard in soccer. Like if you don't get goals. Yeah. And the finals two nothing. It's hard to be like, well, when we left, you know, so and so scored twice, and and that's the that's the game. So, yeah. so that's part of it. But we do we do try to you know make up for that um, during playoff time. But but you do bring up a great point about you know uh, how television kind of works with well, you kind of have to squeeze this in here and squeeze this in there, and you know that's kind of uh, how we came about with with this podcast is we wanted to talk about some of that stuff too behind the scenes like how things work and that's that's an excellent thing you bring up for those that are listening that are students uh wherever you go to college that's something you have to think about when you're trying to do a show like that yeah i mean there, there's no doubt about that that um you know there you know people wonder how we're able to put on you know 15 games you know of highlights that night and it's there is a lot of strategy there's a lot of planning it's not you know we don't just say like you know we don't just randomly go out to different games i mean it's um you know we generally have four or five people out shooting so we have three of us in sports and then they usually give us a couple of news photographers and we try to get to you know each get to three or four games um, and, you know, also taking into account, all right, this team's probably going to blow out this team. So I'm going to go there first, you know, this right. one's going to be tight. So I'm going to hit that one last and hope to get the fourth quarter of that one. And there's, there's definitely planning that goes into this. Right. We have these conversations throughout the week about where we want to go. You know, this game's not going to be a really good game. We should really drive the extra 10 minutes and go to this high school because this is a big game for them. And, you know, it's for first place or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's definitely a lot of planning that goes into it. It's hours of work, hours of footage, all for a couple of minutes. Just a few minutes. <laughs> it, it is. It's so it's funny because whenever I speak to a class, like when I speak to a high school class, I, I use the the analogy of uh, of Thanksgiving dinner, and I say, you know, it's like you 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 spend four or five hours cooking this feast, you know, um, and then in the matter of you know a few minutes, it, it's gone, you know, and and I say that we do that twice a day. We we cook Thanksgiving dinner twice a day. You know, we spend four or five hours getting ready for the. Six o'clock show you know after four or five minutes it's done and then you take a quick break and then you you know you use the the rest of your night the next three hours to get ready for the 11 and the same thing happens so it's uh you know there, there is some truth to that coming up in the january uh steve you'll be marking 25 years at news channel nine i mean it's crazy it, it is crazy. And what are what are some of your favorite moments uh from from your time at, at channel nine i'm sure there are plenty yeah, I mean, there definitely are plenty. Um, man, wasn't expecting that question. Um, one of the first big stories I ever worked on was um, I got to go down to Philadelphia and spend two days with Donovan McNabb uh, when he was – it was his first year as a starter down there. Um, and 
you know, we went down there, we went to his house. We did like an MTV crib style interview where he showed nice. us around his house. <laughs> we did a, we did an interview while I played pool with him. Uh, we played one game of pool. I won the game. So I'll, I'll never forget that. That was quite the treat. Uh, we went to, you know, we went to practice with them. Uh, they gave us great access. Um, that was really cool. Uh, that was one of my favorite stories. And that was, you know, I, I was, that was pretty early in my career uh, at channel nine, certainly covering, you know, final fours, uh, you know, rises to that level. Um, a lot of people will ask me about the 2003 national championship game. I may have been the only person in Syracuse that did not see Hakeem Warwick's block live because oh, wow. I was actually on the air. I was on, uh, I was on the set. He blocked that shot at like 1131 PM. Uh, and you know, the news, the sports guest starts at 1127. So it was, uh, you know, it's the type of thing where I'm on the air, it's happening, producers telling me telling me in my ear what is happening. And actually when Warwick blocked the shot, they told me that the game was over. Um, and as you know, he blocked the shot with like a second left, yeah. and then there was the air ball. So thank God uh, they didn't – you know, that <laughs> shot didn't go in because, you know, I'm wrapping up my sports cast, and I'm saying that, you know, Akeem Warwick blocked the shot, Syracuse national champs. And then there was actually another second to be yeah. played, but – um, you know, certainly that the whole aftermath from that and covering Carmelo and, you know, covering Jerry McNamara and then getting to know Jerry very well, um, you know, as a, as a coach and, um, you know, th th those have been special things, uh, certainly. Um, so yeah, there's, there's too many memories to name, but, uh, but those are a few of them. Do you feel, and as a, a sports anchor, having covered local sports all this time, do you feel that? interest in local sports coverage has increased over the years? Yeah. I mean, what we try to do, and I mean, it's, you know, not, we're not reinventing the wheel here, but we try and keep it as local as possible. We want to give people something that they can't get um, on ESPN, for instance, you know, so that's why we're heavy into high school, certainly heavy into Syracuse university athletics and local colleges. I mean, you know, we've got another division one school now with Lemoyne right. going division one, yeah. the great, you know, division three, uh, schools that we have you know we we've spent a lot of time recently covering oswego hockey and oswego basketball uh you know what jason leone jason leone's a, a childhood friend of mine and to see the success he's having yeah. at oswego uh you know with the basketball program has been great um but that that's why we you know we're, we try to be as local as possible high schools local colleges su you know bills jets giants yankees mets i mean we, we'll dabble into those but it's not necessarily a focus for us um and and so yeah i mean i think Parents love seeing their kids on, you know, and, and that's part, that's really why we started Friday Night Fever. You know, um, you know that I was a, a local athlete and, you know, we always used to you know go to Twin Trees after the games and, you know, try to catch a highlight or two of us. We're like, well, let's do this on a bigger scale, you know. And, and so uh, we started Friday Night Fever and it's, um, you know, it, it's it's gone very well. Um, and, you know, I, I think the appetite is certainly there. People love it. Uh, we love doing it. And, it, you know, it's a great way for us to serve the community and get and be connected with the community. I remember like where I was the moment I heard the news that the New York Mets were purchasing the Syracuse affiliate. Like I almost fell out of my chair, but I, I think yeah. it's <laughs> it was just such great news that now we have like for me in Cortland, I have uh, the AAA affiliate 45 minutes north. They got the AA affiliate about 45 minutes south. So it's like uh, in Central New York is like Met Central uh, these days. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, there's uh, no, no doubt. And, you know, and I, I'll say this, like, if this is a great sports time. And I'm glad you brought up Syracuse Mets. I mean, you know, we've got, 
triple a baseball we've got ahl hockey um you know in addition to uh, you know now two division one colleges here uh within a, a stone's throw and you know all the high schools that we i like i i think it's it really is to me it's an underrated sports market i mean we're very busy 10 months out of the year it'll slow down a little bit you know late june through july mm-hmm. but then you know first week of august su reports back to camp you know and and off we go and and we're busy for the next 10 months so you know through through basketball lacrosse season and baseball and all that so um i i, I love working here i think it's a it really is an underrated sports market in my opinion one last question for for you steve you're on top of all the other stuff you do you're an adjunct professor of broadcast and digital journalism at the newhouse school at, at syracuse um, you know, when Chris and I were at Oswego and a lot of our classmates 25 years ago, we wanted to be TV reporters and play-by-play guys and publish, you know, front-page news articles for the, the a big city paper. Uh, what are today's students, what are they looking to do in their careers? I mean, that's a great question. I think, you know, everybody's different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I do think there are it seems like anyway, there are more and more opportunities out there, you know, to get involved, whether that's on a digital platform or, you know, sports betting is becoming a big thing. I've got a few former students now that are working in that space and doing very well with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just sports anchors and, and, you know, local news. It's the six o'clock news and the 11 o'clock news. Like there are a lot of other ways to get involved in this business um you know every team's got sideline reporters now and pre and post game shows and uh, not that those things didn't exist before but i I do think that it's you know it's on a grander scale now so um you know i'll work with students of of all abilities and and you know in terms of what they want to do there's some that want to do play-by-play some want to be silence report sideline reporters there's some that want to do what i do in and in, in local news um as i said i've had a couple students go into that sports gambling space and and do very well as is analysts um you know esports is becoming a thing um mm-hmm. you know I, I, so I, I think there are all sorts of different avenues that that people can go down and um you know, it's it's been fun for me, you know, while the industry changes for me to kind of change with it. And, you know, they do keep me young and sharp. Like I'm teaching them things, but they teach me things, too. I mean, for real, like social media and whatnot and, uh-huh. you know, Instagram and Twitter. And, um, you know, the, the, the younger generation is better at that stuff, if we're being honest, than, than we are. No question. So, no question. Um, you know, that, that helps me kind of stay young and stay sharp as well. Yeah. I mean, this whole podcasting thing. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't exist when we went to school. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) But here we are. Steve, thank you so much uh, for for taking the time to join us. We we really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, best wishes. I know it's a few months away, but still congrats on on 25 years of Channel 9 and hopefully many more. I appreciate you saying that. And this was a whole lot of fun, guys. Uh, thank you. And uh, Chris, so hopefully I'll see you at a, at a high school soccer yeah. game in the not too distant future. And uh, Kevin, it was great catching up with you. It's been a while. It was really good to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. And that was Steve Infanti, sports director and co-host of Bridge Street on News Channel 9, also host of Orange Nation, which covers SU athletics. On News Channel 9, that's a weekly show on News Channel 9 and a daily show on ESPN Radio Syracuse. So great to to have him on. And, you know, all this talk about college sports returning and, uh, you know, again, keep in mind, we we recorded this uh, when you're hearing it. It's after Labor Day, but we recorded it before then uh, around the time of year when 
all the students are, are moving back to campus. And uh, I know, well, Chris, you live in the Syracuse area. I live in Cortland. Yeah. I'm like a mile away from the SUNY Cortland campus. Ithaca is a huge college town between mm-hmm. Cornell and Ithaca College. So when the students move back, you oh. know it. You are fully oh. aware. <laughs> Kevin, let me tell you something about these college kids moving in, okay? Listen, first of all, slow the hell down on the highway and stop cutting people off, okay? Oh. Jersey plates and Michigan oh. plates and 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 freaking Massachusetts, especially Massachusetts plates. Slow down. What are you in a rush for? Want to get back to campus and drink already? Yeah. I haven't even started yet. And let me tell you something else about these kids coming into college and 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 filling up our parking lots and the and the Wegmans, the local supermarkets around here. All right. Learn how to drive in a parking lot, first of all. Stop causing accidents. All right. Cause that has happened already. Oh my God. And not only in the supermarket, or I'm sorry, not only out of the supermarket in the parking lot, in the supermarket too. All right. Stop crashing in the people. Pay attention. <laughs> Get, Get off, off your phone. phone. Oh God. Get off your phone. Unless you've got a list on your phone and you're looking up and looking at your list and looking up, pay attention. Pay attention, kids. I'm guilty of looking at my phone in the supermarket, but I have a list on my phone. That's what I do. And then I put it away and I take the cart and I go where I need to go. And I look at my list again and I put it down and I go where I need to go again. This is the old man shaking his fist. Uh, Now, they're not, we would love if Microsoft sponsored our podcast. So, you know, <laughs> if you're listening, Microsoft, please. Uh, yeah. But I use that. one OneNote uh, on my phone yeah. for yeah. my grocery list. So, because you can add a checkbox uh, to each item in OneNote. So like, uh, oh, I got the chicken, check that off and then check this off and then check that off. So it, it, it's really nice. I, I recommend And it's cloud-based, right? So you can yes. like use OneNote from anywhere on your phone, on your laptop, wherever you are. So that's what I like about that. So that's, that's where right. my grocery lists are. And I, yeah. for some reason, I still have ones from years ago in case. <laughs> in case you forgot something. To know, <laughs> what did I buy two years ago? Uh but but yeah, uh, to, to your to your point, Chris. Yes, the traffic picks up, and oh my god, the, the WalMarts are insane. Um, I won't step foot in a Walmart. For, no, not, not around no. not around this time of year, no. or Target for that matter, Oof. or any of the big box retail stores. Oh, uh, forget it. Like no. the supermarket is a necessity because you know I need to eat too, and yeah. my kid is eating me out of house and home, <laughs> and and food and all that stuff. Like, good lord. Um, he's grown so, I mean, well, he's grown, he's going to be as tall as I am. Actually, he's almost as tall as I am already. I'm six one. He's five, nine and a half already. And, and climbing. Yeah. Yeah. But we digress. Those damn college kids slow down on the streets. You're going to kill somebody. Uh, yeah. Listen, Chris, we were college kids too once, we right? Were. So we got to we give were. them. Cut yeah, them no, stack. that's true. We were, but you know, and, and you know, we were rushing back to the campus to you know have a beverage and uh, get together with your friends and hang out, and uh, you know, yeah, I get it, I get it. But come on, slow down, will you? Slow and, down. And yeah, but the difference here's the difference, though, Kevin, is yes. they're all in their phones. Yeah, they're all in their phones, even when they're driving. Like that's dangerous, right? I mean, yeah. Can we get back to to that story from Stephen Fonte about his high school 
uh, basketball, uh, triumphant state championship story. That actually gave me some goosebumps. Like that was a cool story. That was like MJ flu game stuff right there. Heroic Stephen Fonte coming in and and like you said, didn't play much in the first game in the semifinals, but in the finals mm-hmm. he needed them. And you know that sense of relief and that I mean just just the idea of winning a championship of any sort. And his coach is right. Like you're going to have that connection with your team mm-hmm. for your entire life. Right. You know, whether you live in this area and someone lives across the country, you're still going to have that in common and you're still going to get, you know, keep in touch with each other, which is, I, you know, that's fa- that's a fantastic story. You're right. And look, how many people can say that that they won, you know, Tacoma State? I sure can't. Uh, I, neither. I, <laughs> I, I played right. I mean, I played high school soccer and we were lucky to win a few games a year, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I can't imagine getting to a playoff or a sectional. And uh, I mean, a state championship was, you know, that was always out of the question for us, but my God. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really cool thing. That's a really cool, really cool story. Uh, yeah. The, but yeah. And, and also the, the story about the quarterfinals are really cool too. Mm-hmm. You know, having, having uh, his coach, having the confidence in him to, to go back to the line, even though he had missed, you know, the front end of the one-on-one and uh, clinching a game. It sets a path. For you, because if if yes. his coach had sat him, said nope, you missed, oh, yeah. you're, you're you're it's over for you. Uh, yeah. Then your 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 psyche is toast at that yes. point. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. All right, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Throwing Bagels podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we got a blog coming up next week. Jason's on that, and then um, in a couple of weeks. Very exciting. We'll be talking with Joe Yurden and Alex Russo, our two Throwing Bagels podcast hockey experts. Repeat Uh, customers. Repeat. That's right. Our first repeat guests. Uh, We'll be doing an NHL preview. So we're going to run through the the gamut and uh, we'll talk about, you know, who's, who's winning the cup this year? How good will the Sabres be? How good will the Rangers be? And if you couldn't, you couldn't have planned it any better. Because opening night, since Joe covers the Sabres and Alex covers the NHL in general, but she's a big Ranger fan. So first game of the season is Ranger Sabres. So he couldn't have planned it out any better than that. Perfection. Perfection. Absolutely. Uh, So we're looking forward to that in a couple of weeks. So thanks again to Steve and Fonte for joining us. And thank you, Chris. And thank you, Kevin. And thanks to Steve again. And thanks to Steve and Jason. Thank you from afar. I know you're on assignment in Plattsburgh. Hopefully you come back with uh, maybe a Michigan hot or that, whatever it is that they serve up there in Plattsburgh. Um, with, with a tennis ball. With a tennis ball. And, and what the hell, maybe some bagels. Jay, just throw some bagels while you're up there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them, how, show them how it's done. Uh, so uh, we'll see you again in uh, a couple of weeks. Check us out online, throwingbagels.com, or all our social media is there. Uh, you can email us, throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com. You got any guest ideas, anything you want us to talk about, any questions for us, for me, for Chris, for Jason, shoot it, shoot us over an email, throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com, or reach out to us on our social media. That's what it's there for. It sure is. <laughs> so we'll see you again soon. Bye. See you.